96 this week my guest is rich Poston. rich is on here quite a bit and i am uh, real thankful that he's on here but this edition of the moving iron podcast is brought to you by dawson tire and will your premier ag tire and will provider in north america helping people grow tractor zoom delivering insights and dry shod boots the official work boot of the moving iron podcast rich how you been man good casey how are you not too bad so rich has got a podcast of his own called critical point and uh it's, you can find that anywhere, right, Rich? You can get out there on on iTunes and all that, every place you can find a podcast. Yeah, and uh, they can look up criticalpoint.podbean.com. That's a website that the Podmaster set up for me. And you can see a whole list of the latest podcasts and sign up for it there. And while, while we're on the subject of podcasts, I'd like to announce this week I'm launching a uh, new podcast uh, that's meant for the long-term stock investor. It was by request. Some of my followers, subscribers uh, saying, you know, uh, that I could be missing out of some people that need help uh, with like beginners of how do they invest, how do they work with their retirement account, as well as some professionals that would be instant just in the long term. Whereas in my uh, my original podcast here at Critical Point, we do commodities and stock market and in very detail, like practically every day, we got something to say and all kinds of signals. So I've launched a, a new channel. It uh, can be purchased at one quarter at a time, three months at a time, uh, called Seasons. And the name of it is uh, Keeping Up with the Stock Market. Uh, it's a soap opera. So we're going to have a little <laughs> fun there, uh, how that market works. Yeah. And, uh, I've had a bang out year here in the stock market. Uh, I'm up anywhere from 20% to as much as 95% in uh, oh, wow. one of my programs. And most of that was just getting out near the top in February and get, boy, got in within two days of the bottom in March. And it's just been a sweet ride when, man, there's a lot of professionals out there have had a tough, tough year yeah. uh, keeping up with us. I'm just very thankful after all these years of uh, how smooth the model uh, ran uh, for stock and commodities this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's good man that's that's great news uh, looking forward to that that content what that looks like and and folks check out that critical point podcast I, i've listened to some of those podcasts that are out there and, and got some good information and and uh some of them are i mean they, they don't they're not necessarily that long either rich i mean some of those are i listen to some that are five to seven minutes long and i've listened to some that are 25 minutes long so it just kind of kind of depends on the topic that's right uh, yeah some uh, subscribers once they have a feel for what I'm doing, modeling, quite often they'll say, give us the bottom line quick and whether we're buying or selling. So. Right on, right on. <laughs> that's right. Okay, Rich, let's jump in and talk about a little some stuff that's going on. So Rich is on here. We're, we're talking economy. We're talking uh, trends that are developing out there. We're looking at uh, foreign markets. We're looking at you know international grain markets. We're looking at all these different things that are out there. Everything that's kind of has an influence on the uh, the U.S. economy, also the U.S. economy that has the effect on the rest of the world as well. So, you know, Rich and I were brainstorming a little bit before we got started here as to what we're going to talk about. And of course, Rich has a laundry list of stuff that he wants to talk about, and it's all great stuff. And you know, I don't know where to start. I guess I guess the best place to start, since it's the most recent thing that's out here on on people's. Uh, Radar is that that Tuesday USDA report that came out. Um, 
a lot of good news came out of that. You know, I saw some um, some estimates that were that were well under, uh, or actually well under the estimates on on um, average bushel per acre on corn. Um, soybeans kind of stayed about the same, but carryout was way lower, and and all the stuff that comes along with all the adjustments in, in the overall crop size. So I guess what's your reaction to that that report and what's your reaction to what you're seeing now as far as some USDA balance sheets that you see out there? Yeah, so it was a bullish report uh, across the board, in my opinion. But uh, the thing is, I, the market's been rallying since August here for corn, wheat, soybeans. And I just feel like how much more bullish data can it really get? I think it's kind of high priced here. I think a lot of it's dialed in. Um, and you can just see the response and report day. Yeah, it was aggressive. And then, you know, by today, we can just see the market's actually going back down now. So it should have held up better than that because uh, the corn yield came in, what, 175.8? That was lower yep. than the lowest trade guess I saw, and it was below record. And I was so pleased to see that because, by the way, in early July, I made a told my subscribers uh, the critical point temperature model says it's too hot and the forecast for July is going to be too hot and this crop is going to look wonderful but the yield isn't going to be there and then late July we got another update and that supported what I was saying August everything turned dry and I said you know what even if uh, the temperature isn't there for us and the model starts backing off we want to stay with our forecast because we now got this dryness that the model really wasn't watching and so we had two things going on and by early September, when I got the official results uh, from the summertime temperature model, it was saying the yield should not be there. And uh, I decided the safest approach to take was it just would not be a record deal. So in early September, I said, I'm betting on it will not be a record deal. And we've, we got it uh, this week. So uh, very pleased to how all the modeling during the year, uh, because even the model, other models that I was using back in January said, you should have a strong yield to a record yield. And then those summer models said, back off on that record idea. And the idea was the January model saying a strong yield was that it would at least be a 170. So it's kind of like both models were right because it was above 170 for, for the one model. And yet it was uh, not quite record, uh, new record uh, for the other model. So I'm pleased with that, but it's pretty much done deal now. Uh, I'm already uh, redoing the models here to be prepared for next year. And uh, I, I still believe that uh, we're vulnerable for a crop problem in 21 to 24. And I think it's probably sooner rather than later. And we got a La Nina right now. And if La Nina hangs in there the next year, uh, I think we're going to get the crop problem that many of us wanted for some time. And, of course, the farmer's been hoping to get some kind of break here and some kind of reason to push prices higher. It may well happen next year, but uh, we got a ways to go on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yep. And so that then brings me to, to where we are in the actual S&Ds versus price and what's going on in the world. And a lot of the global markets, I look at Japanese prices, uh, China's prices, India's. Uh, Brazil, uh, some of the European prices, and I—it's uh, like the whole world ran up from August to now. Uh, everybody was on the same page, and uh, I—it just feels like the world had to get caught up on their pipeline needs, their inventories, get some security in there. And I think they had probably fallen behind the early part of the virus, and I think that made them even more nervous than than, uh, than other times to say, "Hey, we got to get this inventory built." Well, that bothers me that they might have actually bought ahead here 
And so what are we going to get for early next year? Uh, so if we don't keep, continue to get really bullish news, keep those exports there, st- uh, see a problem in Brazil on their crops, I'm concerned that we could be surprised how much demand backs away for a while. And I don't think that means crashing prices by no means. But let's face it, it, it I, I think it's possible the, mar- the U.S. corn market, for uh, example, is bullish into next summer seasonally and some of the long-term business cycle research I do. But nothing was in a straight line. And so, you know, and, and there's liable to be some, some setbacks here. And it could stall out for as much as, you know, three months at a time before it moves higher again. So I'm just a little concerned the world's ahead of itself. I, tonight, I don't like China's corn futures prices. It looks like it's trying to turn down now. Uh, saw some evidence in some European prices for wheat and corn. Uh, soybeans still look strong in, in China. They look just like a U.S. chart. Uh, Brazil prices, corn prices have been extremely strong this year. But in the last few weeks, you're seeing lower highs and lower lows, and that's the definition of a downtrend. Now, it's also a very wide channel. It's very volatile. It's like the market can't make up its mind, but there's an overall bearish bias to it. I think Brazil has probably run higher as, as high as it's going to go, frankly. But now I'll have to see where we're going with the dryness in Brazil as well right. uh, and Argentina. Uh, La Nina uh, always had a rule that if La Nina is still present in December, you better get nervous over January through March for Argentina. Brazil's a different story. Uh, certain regions of Brazil can be in trouble, and other regions could crank out a, a decent crop anyways. Right. Uh, so that's something to watch going down the road, that if we are going to be more bullish here on these grains in the next year, I, I think it's going to have to come from... Uh, uh, greater problem than what we're seeing right now in Brazil. I'm not so sure the problem is really there. They've had it, but I, we just need to give it a little more time to see whether it sticks or not. And uh, otherwise, uh, if you don't get that La Nina, it just feels like to me everything's been too bulled up. It's just time to calm these markets down a bit here yep. and uh, set back prices a bit, you know. And yep. uh, and, and granted, my, my model here for the U.S. tracks 12 major groups of market participants and it's always dealing with this available demand, available supply that is seldom discussed by anyone. Most people don't even understand it. And it's really what decides where prices are going, not the S&Ds. The S&Ds are more about volume, how much are you actually using. So it gives us a bit of an edge here. And even that model is saying, you know what, the available demand is, they're getting to the point where they're going to say, I bought enough for a little while. I need to take a break. And and you can bring the entire market down with very little selling if if you lose the demand, you know. Uh, that's just the bottom line. Right. <laughs> so you can refuse to sell all you want. It can still go down. So, yeah, we do want to be watching out for future crop problems here. But I must say I, I like the dollar. I'm a long-term bear in the dollar. I think it's going lower. I think it's going to help U.S. exports. <clears throat> so it's not just agriculture. It's, it's going to help our economy. Um, don't be surprised if you see the dollar tick up a little into December. Uh, don't be surprised if uh, interest rates back off a little bit by December bonds go up a little bit, but ultimately further out, um, I think I think the forty-year decline in interest rates is over, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna work higher over the next several years. And unlike a lot, some people are on the same page with me. I don't think we're going to see an explosion in, in interest rates. I don't think we're going to see an explosion in inflation anytime soon. But I do think we're turning 
turning the corner. And I think that actually helps commodities for a while. Uh, you can get inflation and interest rates too high, and then it does not help commodities, but uh, can actually hurt commodities as well as the entire economy. Right. But um, for the moment, I think I think we're on our way there. I like, like what I see. So, of course, that uh, now brings us to where are we at with the U.S. economy and global economies, and what about the election? And there's some interesting studies out by others, and I've done studies like this many years ago, and it looked like we're on the same page. These are for the U.S. economy. When you take uh, the years that Republicans were pretty much running the show, uh, U.S. GDP ran about uh, 2.5% on average. And if you look at it, before the virus recession, Trump was running about 2.3 to 2.5. So he was doing about average of the Republicans prior. And, and of course, he was advertising and marketing that he was going to do much better than that and didn't occur. And I, I think that probably worked with him against the election. Uh, um, you know? So now on the Democrat side, when they're in power, uh, the GDP ran about 4%. So big difference, actually. And when you get it that high, you usually have better commodity markets. You have a bit more inflation. You're helping the middle class and poor more, not so much the rich. And so moving forward, as, a, as I look at Biden, I'm saying, OK, I think this supports what I've been saying all along for the economy. And uh, I'm willing to dial in a 3.5 to 4 percent uh, GDP here, uh, at least for one year over the next four years. And who knows, maybe it can pretty much average that for the whole four years. So I think we've got a better economy coming now. At the same time, the Democrats did not sweep uh, Congress. So you know there's going to be headwinds. You know the Democrats aren't going to get everything they want. And that could trim how high... Uh, the GDP goes. And I realize some people would say they don't care so much about the GDP because if you look at the stock market people, they made a huge sum of money even when the GDP was only 2.5%. Uh, but I'm thinking for the average person out there in the middle class, the poor, uh, the small business uh, commodities, we'd be better off with a higher GDP than that. There, there was something that was just going wrong, wasn't working right for us. And I think we got an opportunity uh, to do something better in the next four years. And uh, I had already been forecasting that before any of this election stuff. But now that it's occurred, I think uh, I think I want to use that history as additional evidence that uh, we're on the right track here. And mm -hmm. the stock market thinks the same thing right at the moment. And I just learned tonight here, uh, I'll probably be talking about tomorrow to my subscribers, that some of the foreign stocks like over in Europe, I mean, they... Europe has been really nervous about the virus causing a double dip recession, yet the stock market has been trying to shrug it off. And now the stock market just surged, just soared um, off of this U.S. election. And I think what's going on is they just think maybe we'll all get along a little better around the world. Maybe we can get more trade going. Maybe we can get more business. But even before, again, before the election, the, the global economy was starting to actually turn up by some uh, measurements such as uh, the PMIs, the monthly PMI indicators for both manufacturing and services. So I, tell you, I think it's working. You know, we, we want to talk about the virus here in a minute, too. But uh, I think uh, global economy, the tide is changing. And that may be also a sign why we've seen some good commodity demand here. Uh, for these grains around the world that's pushing prices that uh, they sense it that uh, mm -hmm. something can improve they're, they're turning optimistic as well as trying to make sure they have enough inventory in case another disaster occurs like another the virus uh, gets tremendously worse they want to make sure they got enough bought ahead and, and moving there right so, real, real quick which i want to jump back and talk about one thing real quick you just 
interest rates and inflation a little bit. So we've got a lot of stimulus money floating around, whether it's you know PPP loans or CFAP or you know all the other things that are out there floating around. We've got I don't know, six billion dollars worth of stuff that came out. Um, I don't think all that six billion dollars got got paid out, but um, talk about doing another round of those things and and how that looks. I mean, what's your thoughts on just long term inflationary? Like you talked about how you, you're seeing, you know, your your bear when you start looking at at, uh, at inflation and, and what that looks like, um, interest rates, those kind of things. Are, are you talking like are we going to see double digit? interest rates or are we going to see you know are we talking like 1980 stuff here you know 10 years down the road i mean what what are your thoughts on that part uh, very good question because there are people out there that think uh, we're going back to 10 percent inflation 20 percent interest some of them are saying no not that high but you're going to be shocked how soon it occurs and how high it will be um and I'm not, I'm not coming up with that uh, scenario. Uh, the way these trends have worked throughout the history of this country, um, these super cycle trends, they take 15, 25 years. In fact, that's short. And that's what we're doing for a short one. And normally if it's short, you, you could do, it's not a lot, enough time to really get it high enough. Uh, so this is going to be different than what we're used to in, in prior generations relative to these uh, super cycles. And I just don't think we're going back to, to that 10 to 20% of Kind of stuff there, you know. If if it does occur, my guess is it occurs toward the end, which is probably in the 2030s, and that's normally what happens when you have a when you have these types of trends that last uh, you know a couple of decades or more. The, the the highest amount is towards the end, and quite often it's a slow rise for quite some time. Then it starts speeding up, and then pretty soon it just explodes. And then, of course, everybody's got a serious problem. Everybody's complaining. The politicians are getting fired, mm-hmm. and everybody's saying, "Kill this inflation, kill these higher interest rates," and uh, that's how the process works. So, if we are going to those super high rates, I, I just think uh, that's towards the late 2030s. And so just kind of imagine some kind of curve or slowly turning up and they'll speed higher uh, as we go into late next decade. Now, along the way, can we have a sudden surge? Uh, yes. And it'll probably just be slapped right back. It'll hurt the economy immediately and it'll, it'll come back. So we can get some pro- uh, surprises here and you know big spikes in that. But as I look over the next four years, I think uh, the ten-year Treasury note is probably only going to be in the two to three percent range uh, at most, and it's still below one percent right now. But it's 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 turning up. It's uh, I, I think I called the bottom in August, and I realize it's difficult to call something that's lasted forty years. But I think I got it, and I'm not the only one doing it. There was a few making a call just ahead of me, actually. Uh, so I think uh, I think even Jeremy Siegel uh, called it in July. Uh, over at Wharton Business School. And I don't know his track record and the interest rates, but he's done a fantastic job long-term in the stock market. So I think we're seeing a major turn here. And the thing is, you know, especially the young people in business and investing and trading, uh, all they know of is interest rates has gone down their entire lives. So it's going to be a new ball game for them. And some of the old timers, even myself, I sat back thinking, gee, what was it like in 1980s? You know, we were coming off the highs, but 
Um, so uh, there's going to be a learning curve for everyone how to handle and, and deal uh, with this over the next 10, 20 years. But generally, in the early part of an inflation swing and a rising interest rate swing, uh, it's actually a good economic time. Uh, and commodities do better and, uh, and the middle class and poor do better. So, yeah, I, you know, in the next couple of years, I, I can see where we move up to 2% uh, interest. And I wouldn't be surprised the Federal Reserve will finally get the uh, inflation above 2%. And I think they probably will be very cautious of reacting to that quickly. So I wouldn't be surprised we can even see 3%. Uh, oh, uh, sometime in the next uh, four years. But are we going to see five percent? I think that I think that's further down the road. But again, maybe something I don't understand. You're going to have this little, some little shock there. That suddenly puts it up, but it'll just put it right back down and then still follow that that slower uptrend. Um, so I don't necessarily see a panic out here, but uh, I do think uh, anyone who's never has their interest rates locked in, I don't know. I think you're living on borrowed time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And the reason is that, you know, that six trillion or whatever they, they pumped out. I mean, the thing is, we've been printing money and printing money and printing money. And then suddenly it was just a gigantic surge. And you just see a lot of Wall Streeters and bankers just saying, you know what? That's 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 unbelievable. And right. It is changing the attitude, you know. Um, so it's it's a good thing. But I realize people, you know, for it's not a good thing for everyone. But I, I think it's. Uh, I like what I see. I, I think it's going to be a positive thing with the overall overall economy, and I think that's how you get a four percent GDP. Is you're going to have to pay a little more on the interest rate, and you're going to have to pay a little more on cost because of high inflation. But you know what? You charge more for your your service and your goods, your commodities, and uh, it just seems to trickle around the system better. And uh, I just feel like the middle class and poor can uh, do better this time around. You know, so so if you're a rich person. Yeah, you probably better own some gold. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's talk about some foreign markets right now, and and you, you kind of hit on um, the coronavirus and, and what we see happening there, and you know, Europe has has gone back into a into a shutdown uh, mode. I don't know. If, I haven't really seen how long they're they're projecting, but these you know four to six weeks is what they've kind of started out with. But that you know who knows what that'll turn into as things continue down the same path um the name escapes me but biden's uh you know advisor on 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 these kind of matters is suggesting a four to six week shutdown in the u.s um you know i guess as as you take a look at these these shutdowns and kind of what happened last time during these shutdowns uh around around the world and the various economies that are out there i mean what, what are your thoughts about if we go back and do some level of a shut a shutdown somewhere in the U.S., I mean, with it feels like we've made some pretty good momentum in the markets, like you, you talked about, and some longer term things that you see happening there. I mean, do you foresee anything like that happening? And then you know, are we going to get back to that that three dollar corn, you know, uh, seven dollar beans, those kind of things again? I mean, I guess what's your thoughts on those on that scenario? Yeah, I. Um I kind of feel. I kind of hope they don't do the lockdown. Other than yes, I think it would work to 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 help kill this whole virus thing, and then we'd be all right later. But there's a lot of discussion that uh, wherever there was lockdowns throughout the world, it's now that it's been quite a while, and they've had some data 
uh, saying, you know, it didn't really help that much. And some of the big U.S. banks come out saying, eh, this doesn't look so good, <laughs> you know, not so sure you want to try that. And I think the World Health Organization, even though I'm not too sure they did a good job of keeping up with this whole virus thing. Uh, so maybe we should question any uh, opinion they have, but they even come out saying, doesn't look like a lockdown approach uh, works. Uh, you know, I would prefer much more of pushing the mask and and the and the social distancing and get tough, mean, get mean if you got to do it, because I I'm very convinced that would make a big difference. I've been trying to keep up with the research on that, and our daughter's over in Asia and she's dealt with the mask over there, and she's just saying, "Dad, these people have been way ahead of us by decades. They just know how to do it, and it's working over here, and their economy's doing well now." Uh, in South Korea, my daughter's over there right at the moment, and she just says, "They're getting happy here. <laughs> it's looking good." And yeah, they've had they've had some setbacks at times with virus, but boy, there's some countries out there. I can't remember if it's Taiwan or who, one of the smaller countries, and they haven't had a case in like 200 days. I think I read or something like that. And and it's there, it's present, but they just it's just not getting to them. And it's just how they their lifestyle, how they're living and dealing with them, working. So I'd rather try that personally because even though it's only four to six weeks, uh, I mean, my gosh, another lockdown, you're going to print more money, and 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 even that money trickling through, it doesn't help everyone to, for the full extent of it. So it's like you know you're going to hit the economy, you know you're going to hurt business. Uh, will it slam corn and soybeans back to uh, three to seven dollars respectively? Not off a four or six week thing. Uh, I think uh, I think commodities will take the attitude. People are still going to eat one way or the other, and uh, but but at the same time, looking at these prices today, it, it would help. You know, I'm looking for a dip here by next month, by the way, and I for some of these commodities, and I just. Um, you know, boy, if we the faster we rush that in there to get into that four to six, it's it's got to cause some hesitation, some problems here uh, in the commodities. But it would probably be more of a stock market hit, uh, which I'm also looking for a little setback in the stock market before we get rolling here on the on the bull market again. Uh, so it could occur. That may be why I'm seeing some of these things that could set back. But my guess is the four to six thing. The longer it takes Trump to transition, the more likely that won't be done after the first year anyways. Right. And, uh, and that would be a different scenario than what I'm looking for uh, for this dip into December. So, so what's, what's uh, the dip? Where, where, where you, what's going to cause uh, it's, the dip? It's basically just saying that many of these commodities is just time for the available demand side to back away, that, that they bought enough and they ought to take a little break. And at first, I was nervous it might have something to do with elections transition, not so much anymore. I, again, I, if that's, something goes wrong here with transitioning from Trump to Biden and the election, whatnot, um, I think that's more of a stock market thing. So to me, in the commodities, I think it really is the true business of commodities that the buyer just temporarily needs to say, you know, I'm not going to bid even a penny higher. And, and it won't matter that the supply side is saying, well, I'm not going to sell it to you anyways. Uh, I want the higher price. Uh, at least in the futures market, somebody will always come in and sell it and bring it down. So it's how we do business normally during a year on the commodity side. But I'm just saying, if if one of those dips is due, and there'll be another one sometime early next year. Right. If one of those dips are due at the same time you bring in that four to six week, well, that, that could help explain it too. It, it could add more downside. But no, I don't see something that uh, suddenly just backfires here and, and really hurts the economy. Uh, I think I think if you know if there was something that caused a huge disruption like that, knock soybeans back to seven bucks in the next six months or something, um, 
you're going to see the stock market way off. It would have to be maybe the virus is just way worse than what any of us can fathom right now. And yeah. and then then you probably you, you can't help but have a panic and shut down the economy. There should be a level where even I would say shut that thing down. <laughs> Everybody stay home. Right. But I'm not convinced. Uh, not convinced uh, this is the time to do it. I, I wish they really would try the mask. I know a lot of people will never believe the mask, but I just saw a recent video of someone uh, studying it, showing how what was coming out of the person's mouth, and it it made a huge difference. And uh, I, I think we could just do a lot that way to clip this. Now, now, uh, in terms of my forecast on virus, I must say I've been very pleased with my modeling this year in the commodities and the stock market. It's just one thing after another. It's working great. So I tried to in June to said I'm going to dive into this virus thing. And granted, I'm not a, a medical person, and I'm not going to have the data of what's going on every day. But I said if I can just take the end of day cases, can I find patterns like I do often in prices and various economic data? Because after all, it's it's really about people. It's not the virus creating those fluctuations. About people, they they get excited, they go out, they do things. Next sick, they're running to the doctor. That scares everybody else. So they stay home. Pretty soon, the cases are back down, and pretty soon everybody's running back out to have some fun or go shopping or or obviously do your job. And so I said, seems like this should work. Well. Lo and behold, I did some modeling, came up with a pattern, and it's nowhere near the deep economics and uh, markets or anything like that. We need we would need years of history to really give a, a beautiful story to it and really make it work. But at any rate, uh, I could see from June through August, I said, this darn thing is learning it. It's catching up with it. It's making good forecasts. And it's going to, and then finally, right at, coming into Labor Day, it made a forecast for a major turnaround and said, Maybe it won't go to a record high of cases, but we should see cases rising from around Labor Day to the week of November 20th to the week of December 18th. And that's currently the forecast. Um, and here we've surged to record high now. Okay. And I did some funny little things on the way up and said, what, what if I could even forecast the next level? And it was interesting just a few days ago said, well, we're due for 123,000 to 135,000. And man, it, it popped to right about 123, set there, and then popped right up to 135. And then Paul actually pulled back and I said, well, that's working pretty good. Well, now it's already gone through it sooner than I would have thought. And I got a feeling we're on our way to 160,000 cases. And uh, there's health officials out there saying, we may well see 200,000 this winter, you know, and I wouldn't rule that out either, but I'm going 160 is the next next level or so. So even that little idea is working, but that's even more experimental. I don't know as I should be trying to be look like a genius and pick actual numbers, <laughs> right. but I'm very comfortable with this trend, and we'll see what happens. You know, maybe it will end here in just another another couple of weeks. I do think Thanksgiving will actually cause the cases to come down some, but it could easily cause it to be right back up after after the after the holiday. Um, and I am concerned of something more important for a bottom. In December, that could mean still greater number of cases in January, February, March. And I don't really want to see that. I think that's going to be late enough. You're going to start scaring some business people and, and investors here. So even though I'm kind of dung ho bold up here on practically everything for the next four years, I, <laughs> I can see how something can go wrong here in the next six months or something. But I don't see it that major decline like yeah, uh, soybeans crashed to $7 or anything like that. So. 
but it, it can, the, the cases can get worse here on this virus and the deaths are picking up even though you can see the difference between the cases and the deaths you can see we're definitely doing a better job at the hospital level of handling it dealing with it um but and now we've got the issue of the, the hospitals are full you know they're, they're running into that issue so um, I think this is what can cause, partially cause this dip I'm looking for in the stock market in the next few weeks here of worries over these cases, uh, where the virus is going, because I'm not convinced anybody's going to do anything about it until after the first year, just because of the political situation and how the process normally works. Um, maybe somebody can put something in there faster. And I'm concerned the government really is going to do anything about stimulus and helping people or losing jobs and need money. But that's going to wait after the first year. So I, I can see more downside in the stock market than the commodities. But it is interesting that the strange thing is I got the bonds perhaps ticking up a bit in December. And I got the dollar perhaps ticking up a little in December. And that could be a reason of risk off, meaning they're worried over things or concerned of things. And at the same time, I'm saying, well, the commodities ought to be down a little bit. The stock market ought to be down. <laughs> Maybe that is all lining up that we've got issues uh, coming by December here that maybe this virus is you know, going to get far more serious and maybe we're going to have some political issues yet here. And of course, we haven't seen the electoral college vote until what's that, December 18th, right. I think. Yep. So there's definitely some twists and turns. Uh, there's always twists and turns you got to deal with and uh, nothing moves in a straight line. But uh, like I say, I, I still feel like when I forecast one to four years out, it says we will get through the virus and we will have a good economy and uh, we'll have better commodities and this and that. But, uh, but there could definitely be periods here of downdrafts and uh, some discouraging news at times too. Right. So, yeah, the one thing about the virus, like, you know, the the virus um, rate of uh, compared to the the contagion rate compared to the um, to the death rate um, it is not it's not growing up as fast as it was at the when it first came out, you know, in, in February, March, correct? Correct. So you can see a difference between, yeah. between the recoveries. You, you can see the, the the medical people are doing the doctors and nurses. Yeah, they're doing. They're doing the best job. And we yet. know a lot more about it now than we did in February. That's right. right. You know, that's have, right. We have a lot and, more. But now, you know, what, what probably would be the next worry though is can they handle it if if they just get swamped? You know, what right. what kind of issues? That exactly. But the yeah. same thing with the deaths too. You can just see we're not losing as many people as. Yeah, the pace of de increasing deaths, which it's increasing, but the pace is increasing slower than the pace of the increase of the cases of the virus. Yeah, it's a crazy thing, man. It, there's there's so many. It's such a dividing line in, in as far as how, how people react to that. Um, you know, no, no, it's, it's totally no. I totally get why people are saying, hey, I've been through sicknesses before and you know, how can this little mass do something? And I get it. it it's, it's difficult. And that's why some of the government people are saying, that's probably why they're saying let's have the, the lockdown because they're just saying, we don't really want to fight with people to tell them you are going to do this or we're going to fine you or throw in jail or whatever. They, they're just saying, heck, we'll just lock down the economy. But problem is <laughs> it's your whole country so right. yeah <laughs> we're all going to take a hit from that right and so and again i don't think it'll be an end of world scenario especially if it's only four to six weeks but um but it, it is something to wonder about you know yeah. i'm just saying i'm not so sure i would try that direction frankly but uh but on the other hand 
Uh, where are we tonight? 140,000 cases per day. Boy, you start hitting 200,000 cases a day. I, I don't know. There's got to be a level where even I would say, boy, shut this down country down. <laughs> Tell yeah. everybody to stay home. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I think so too. But there, I, it would have to be the, the, the fear is, you know, the, the hospitals getting overran and what that does and then the fear that inflicts and how that, over, that overwhelming fear uh, relates back to you know, stock markets and those kind of things. And then has that plunging you into a recession, then you go ahead and shut it down for four to six weeks and people are, yeah. are still scared yeah. of what's going on. And then what the uncertainty on the backside comes out. Cause we tried it once already and, and we saw what happened. And then now we're coming back yeah. into it again. And I, I, yeah. I think that's the biggest drawback. I, I don't know that that many people would, would actually go through with it, to be honest with you. I mean, they can find you and do whatever they want, but I just, I yeah. struggle with that part a little bit. As to yeah. what the, was what the reaction would be from the populace, and especially yeah. in some of these, especially some of these towns that are that are out there right now. But like you said, I mean, the explosion of, of the virus in in rural America um, is it's it's really it's just there's just hot spots and they just kind of flare up and then they kind of go away after a while. Then you know they might flare back up again, but. It definitely is something to, to definitely keep your eye on because if they decide to do something with the economy, I, I'm not optimistic as you are. I think it would be, I think it would be, <laughs> well, it, be more damage than we than we could than we could see. Well, you know, you know let's face it. Look how quickly uh, the economy fell down. Uh, yeah, but there was a lot of fear involved that too. People didn't know how long that was actually going to last. And again, yeah. we know a lot more about coronavirus in. November 2020 than we did in February of 2020, you know, yeah. so, but I know. And I was convinced that we were never going to get out. Like they were shutting everything down and we we're going to live in a, in, you know, your house and you're going to have to like duct tape your door shut. So you didn't have to get anything come in. You know, it was just that, <laughs> that was kind of the level of fear that was out there at the time. And, and now we, we know so much more about it. And, and yeah. I don't know, I, there's just a million things out there right now that are, that are, uh, going in good directions and i know we got to control things but at the same time these small businesses i don't know they can take another four to six weeks of shutdown well um, you know. yeah you know that's a very good point and that's that's what i'm concerned is they can't they really can't i shouldn't say they can't print enough money it's really probably more of a case they can't get it out there fast enough to yeah. to really use it and, and that's what the federal reserve is planning on for the future is right. they know they got to come up with something better so yeah i uh, i will not rule out a double dip recession you know, i'm optimistic looking out over the next four years um, my model was saying you know we ought to have a recession by no later in 2020 but it also said you know it doesn't have to end to 2021 the latest right and yes we've seen really a very nice recovery but what if something just slammed everything back down again? Yeah. Um, I'll just start over and be optimistic again. But the point is, it could be, you're right, it could yeah. really backfire, right? Yeah. Uh, it could be devastating. Yeah. yeah they, so, I mean, that's the thing, too. When this, the whole stimulus packages and stuff that came out, I mean, some of these businesses got a $1,200 check to, to keep their doors open and pay their I mean, I know the PPP loans and those kind of things, but that's been a, that's been a mess. I mean, between the fraud and, and yeah. they change the rules every week to something different, and there's a new nuance that comes in there. So no one really knows what they, if they're in compliance or not. And they did everything they thought they did, but now there's a new threat. And there's just all kinds of stuff out there. But 
some of these small towns like where I'm at, you know, here in Scotts Bluff, I mean, there's not that many little you know restaurants and bars and and those kind of mm-hmm. things it's not a not a vibrant area you know and and uh you know one of these little small town cafes shut down because of this that's a that's a big impact on the community you know and uh, yeah. these little yeah. things kind of pop up but you know it, it'd be it's just like you said you know it's going to be interesting to see what happens how it shakes out and what goes happens but at the end of the day I, i'm not a i'm not a believer that shutting the economy down is going to uh it's just going to create a whole new problem on the backside yeah. that, you know, you, you, well, you cured a short-term well, deal, but you got a long-term problem now on the backside. Yeah, that's exactly why I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't try to go that direction myself. Um, I'd like to just try to work other ways to, to get it done because uh, you, you, you know, <laughs> if you lock it down, it, I mean, it's a very simple equation. <laughs> you right. know what's going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the only debate is how severe is it, you know? Right. Yep. That's exactly right. That's exactly right, Rich. Well, we've covered a lot here. Is there any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we we close this podcast down? Um, No, like I say, you know, really, yes, we got to deal with the virus. uh, And we may be dealing with it for quite some time yet still. And yes, uh, we got uh, the political things still yet to work through and get into the start of next year. But as we look farther out, uh, yeah, I'm still uh, optimistic and bullish here and uh, done very well here in these markets. And I think there's more money to be made uh, in the stock market here. And uh, this new service I got, it's it's going to tap into something where you know I've made something like nearly 700% in 10 years or something like that. And I'm going to show them exactly what I'm doing. And they don't necessarily have to follow that uh, because there's many different investment products they could use as alternatives. But I'm just going to show them that example. More importantly, I'm going to give them the signal so they can know, hey, when do I buy a little bit more from my retirement account or when should I kind of hesitate just a little bit? And then ultimately, later this decade, we're, believe it or not, we're going to be back to another recession, hopefully not a virus one. Uh, and hopefully we'll really show the value of it of where we can uh, protect ourselves uh, uh, by getting out of the market because uh, it certainly has worked good for me for two uh, more about two decades now and this is yeah this is actually the third decade that I've been using this uh, technique and I've been keeping track a uh, track record for about 10 years and uh, so I'm pretty optimistic with it and oh I, I didn't throw in that again got to get through this virus got to get the global economy growing and whatnot but on commodities, if you look at commodity index, like the Goldman Sachs commodity index, I, I think they've put in a minor super cycle bottom. Uh, I, I think it can have some kind of floor price for several years, and that means some kind of a bull market coming. And I've already made a projection of uh, at least a 10% to 20% rise that could occur next year. And the only way I see that not working, actually, is, yeah, we do have a mess up here with the virus and maybe a lockdown and we do get a double dip recession. Well, <laughs> then that whole 20% up move in the commodities is going to be shoved out for another year. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. so again, you know, there's always, you never get everything 100% the way you want it. So that you don't have any problems. always twist and turns the market. But anyways, uh, yeah, I'm optimistic on commodities. Uh, next year and the next couple of years and uh it looks like to me that the only reason i point out the commodity index is it's a basket of commodities so if you right. can be bullish that you got to start looking around you know and that means more than one commodity is is probably probably going up so uh be interesting to see yeah it will be definitely be a fun ride no matter what happens right 
That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good deal. Well, Rich, tell everybody where you can go find your podcast and subscribe to your service. Yeah, so you can go to criticalpoint.podbean.com, and uh, you'll see a list of free uh, videos, audios, as well as a uh, buy button for a service that uh, just charges monthly recurring, and that's what I call the combo service now, uh, that it's um, uh, commodities and the stock market, economy, climate, anything and everything I can throw in there. And some of it gets very detailed. I'll, I'll discuss everything from short-term to long-term, so... I have a variety of people using it you know, for all types of reasons, and we're very pleased with it. And now we're adding this new one uh, that uh, I don't know if you'll find it directly off of that critical point dot, uh, podbean.com site, but I think if you did a search, you would. Uh, and it's only going to be available on the Podbean app. Um, their app now has like 2 million viewers. And they really want to push it, and they set up these new channels that you pay for. They, they didn't have it in the past, and I decided to set it up there. Uh, it's more secure and just inside the wrap. And that one's a cheaper service because it is just long-term, and it does not do the commodities. It's strictly the stock market and a little bit on the economy. But it would help. Uh, I'm going to try to help beginners. I've already put up some educational pieces uh, to show people this is how you can enter an order, buy, sell, or if you're using a financial planner, this is what you can talk to them about, how you want to try something or follow a signal. And then, of course, I do the little bit of education on the, on the model and then give the, the signals and analysis. So we're getting that underway uh, uh, this week is as well here, and uh, so I'm pretty optimistic being able to help the long-term people as well as those who are more active uh, in the markets. You know. So. Yeah. Well, I'll probably, uh, I did, uh, let, oh, let me give you the Twitter. Uh, my uh, yeah. Twitter account. People might want to. You can either direct message me over it, or maybe you want to get on some chat of what's going on in the world. Uh, but it's at rich underscore possum p o s s o n. You can also email me at rich at ag-financial.com if you have a question or comment. So, yeah. Check out Rich's Twitter. There's lots of good stuff out there. And uh, I'm going to subscribe to your service so I can I can get that 95% return that you that you got yeah. on, on the chat <laughs> <about> earlier. <laughs> now, nah, good stuff, Rich. Glad to have you back on the podcast, man. Um, I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast and blogs that I post as well. Also, check out movingironllc.com for all the latest information on the Moving Iron Summit. That's Nashville, Tennessee, uh, January 20th through the 22nd. And uh, there'll be some great some great speakers there talking about some of the stuff we just talked about here. And uh, so if you're interested in, in that, check that out. You can re- register for the uh, for the event there. And also you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. Also check out Global Ag Network. A lot of great podcasters out there like the Dryline Farmer Podcast or Brent and Landon. Those guys are uh those are a hoot there you'll have a have a good time enjoying what they have to say so with that i am casey seymour with rich possum let's go with some iron folks out moving iron in the 21st century hard working people working hard for you and me moving iron time and time again You'll find us here Move